Well, he's alive. He is risen. Thank you for being here on Easter. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors. We're thrilled that you chose to spend your Easter with us here at the Highlands. I, um, this last week, and I do a lot of computer work as a pastor and a lot of reading, and I was on my computer reading, and uh, I just noticed, like, I can't quite see the screen as well. And I'd been having, like, my eyes had been kind of bugging me. And uh, so I called my eye doctor. They said, why don't you come in? And they did all the tests. And, and uh, they go, your eyes look healthy. Have you ever had like a, a, a test where they check like your reading? And I go, no, because I, I don't need that. Like I, I've had LASIK. I can see far well. So they put this thing in front of me. You guys have had this done probably, some of you. And they're like, uh, you need readers. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't. Like, I'm, that's for older people. <laughs> and uh, he goes, no, you do. You're 40, Aaron. And I said, wow. So if you didn't like my sermons the last few weeks, um, it's because I couldn't see my notes. Uh, and now I, I get to do this sort of thing where they live on the end of the nose. But um, it, it was weird because I, I call my, wi- my wife and I go, um, I'm old, <laughs> and uh, it 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 hit me. And, and there's something interesting and humbling about aging, where as you age, you realize that there's just you can't do as many things as as you could do before. And um, it you know it doesn't matter if you're if you're older and toward, and you're in the last seasons of life, or you're a young person here today, the reality is you're aging too. And there will be a day that one day you're not able to do the things that you can do right now. We're all in this room, we're, we're all aging. And there's something really humbling about that because aging is a reminder that not only do things change, but things end. That... Um, we're not always going to be able to physically do the things that we once could do. Like, it, it ends. And ultimately, life ends. But then there's Easter. There's the, there's the message of Jesus Christ. There is the resurrection. I grew up in the church, and I, I've gone to a lot of Easter services. And, I, and, and if you were to ask me for most of my life, what what is Easter Sunday really celebrating? What are, what, are we, what are we saying? It's like, Jesus was resurrected so I could go to heaven. And that's half of the story. But what I never heard is that Jesus resurrected so you could be resurrected. That Jesus walked out of the grave bodily resurrected. And the message is that he has defeated death. And that those who are willing to put their faith that, that in the resurrected Christ will one day walk out of the grave and experience that same resurrection. Not some ethereal sort of spiritual resurrection. We're talking about bodily resurrection. Real resurrection, real life. And as you think about that, I mean, do you, do you, like, can you, do you see how much hope that gives? If it's real, if it's true that, that there's resurrection, that we who put our faith in Jesus will be resurrected, 
It means even as you realize you can't do things that you once were able to do, and that ends, that one day that will be resurrected. It means that as you sit at the, at the bedside of, the, of a, your father, your mother, or someone that you love, and they're in their last moments, and they're taking their last breath, and then they take that last breath, if they have chosen by faith to follow Jesus, that isn't the end. One day you will look them in the eyes again. One day they will take in breath. They will walk. You'll be able to see and touch them. It, will ch- it, it should change our complete outlook on life and death and aging. That Christ didn't just die so you, when you die you could go to heaven. Christ died and was resurrected so you could be resurrected. And maybe you're hearing you go, man, I, I, want, I want that perspective. I want that. I want that hope. What, what do I, how do I get it? And the answer is faith. And I hope to show you this morning how you can have that hope. How you can secure not just everlasting life, but resurrection. In John 20, we get to read the account, the first-hand account of the very first person who met the resurrected Christ. It says this, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. Hold on, I need my glasses. (laughs) From the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned, and saw, turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabbane, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said, that he had said these things to her. Mary Magdalene is the first eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. Who is she? Here's what we know about Mary. First of all, her last name uh, is not Magdalene. It's where she's from. She was from Magdala. Uh, It's like saying Christ is Jesus' last name, which it wasn't, isn't. Um, It was kind of like her nickname. 
And uh, Magdala was a, uh, it was a resort town. It was like Acapulco um, of the day. But uh, there was a lot of money, a lot of wealth. And with that, there was a lot of greed, corruption, uh, a lot of immorality. And tradition tells us, but we do not know for sure, but tradition tells us that she was uh, a prostitute, but that she was a part of this group of people that followed Jesus. So you not only had the 12 disciples, you had other disciples, you had, you had men and women who followed Jesus, and Mary was a part of this group. And she's had a, we know, regardless of whether or not she actually is a prostitute, uh, she had a very broken life. She's a bit of a wreck. She, at one point, uh, Jesus took out seven demons from her. And yet, uh, in the midst of her brokenness, Jesus has put her back together. And she goes to the tomb Sunday, Easter morning, and uh, the grave is open. And the body, uh, Jesus' body, is not there. And she runs back to the disciples. She tells Peter and John, uh, look, they take, he's not there, the body's not there. And they run to the tomb and they check it out and then they leave and Mary stays behind. And she's there weeping. And then she looks back in the tomb and she sees two angels uh, at, the, at the head and the foot of, of where they had laid Jesus' body and she, they, they ask her, why are you crying? And she says, well, I don't know where they've put him. And it's, uh, it's so interesting because she doesn't understand what's going on here yet. She's, she's sort of blown like three stop signs because there's all these resurrection clues. Like the first clue, the body isn't there. It's gone. And, and, and Jesus had told his followers that this was going to happen. So you'd think like they, like they get to the tomb, and it's not just Mary, I'm not picking on her, it's, it's the other disciples too, but they get to the tomb, and they look in, and the body's not there, and you would think like, oh, remember Jesus told us he was going to resurrect? It happened. So she blows that first stop sign. Then she sees angels, like messengers from God, and she begins to communicate with them, and she goes, they've taken his body. She still doesn't get it. So there's nobody, there's heavenly messengers talking to her. She's still not picking up, so she blows that stop sign. It's like, he's risen, blows the stop sign. He's risen, blows the stop sign. Then the third, she turns around and she looks at Jesus. And she goes, in her mind, the gardener is here. Maybe he knows where Jesus is. And it's not... Again, to pick on Mary. And, it, and it's not that Mary like, didn't, didn't have faith, but she was missing the resurrected Christ because she didn't have the, she didn't have the faith that, that Jesus had been resurrected. It wasn't that Mary needed, needed more faith. She needed the gift of faith in the resurrected Christ. And that's the point I want to make this morning. That faith is a gift from God. Faith is not primarily 
something you give to God, a gift to God. Faith is primarily a gift from God. You see all these people missing all the clues of the resurrection. And you might think, well, I would never miss out. I would never miss that. But you might be surprised. Because if God hasn't given you the gift of faith, it can be hard to see. When in this story does Mary finally realize that Jesus has been resurrected? When Jesus says, Mary. When he calls her by name. You see, faith is a gift from God. So whether you're here and you're trying to believe or you're hoping to believe or whether you do believe, it is so important that we recognize that this, this faith, this faith in the resurrected Christ is a gift from, our, is a gift from God. Because guess what? Our faith is in, or our unbelief, our lack of faith, our doubt is incredibly thick. So if you're here and you go, boy, I don't know if I've been given that gift of faith. Or I, you know, I, I just have a weak faith. There's so many things that I just, I, I struggle with and so much doubt that I have in my life. And then I read that the Bible says like that we are saved by faith. You're saved by Christ, okay? Through faith, but you're saved by Christ. Not by your faith, not by what you bring to the table. It's what Christ has done. It's what Christ has brought to the table. One way uh, that was helpful for me is that faith is, is sort of like, a, it's like a, a windshield. You know, if you're driving and you look at the windshield, you're going to crash. The windshield is something that you look through. And faith is, is something that is like a lens that we look through life. And you know, your windshield, you can, you know, dirt and all this stuff can get up there and it can be hard uh, to see. And if you focus on the dirt, the impurities, what's going to happen? You're going to crash. If you're focusing on how little, you know, my, your, your, your issues and how, how weak your faith is or, or the lack of faith, you're going to crash. How clean does your windshield need to be to drive? It needs to be clean enough just to see the road. How pure does your faith need to be? It needs to, it, 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 the windshield needs to be clear enough just to see the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel is there's nothing you can do to merit what God has given you. Not even whomping up enough faith and belief. All we're left with is to recognize humbly that we, all we can do is receive. And to be willing to say, Lord, I need help even with faith. I have so much doubt, it's okay. I, I don't have as much faith as, as, you know, all these other people. I don't have as much religion as all these other people. And God's saying, no. 
You don't need to. All you need to do is ask. Lord, help me in my unbelief. God, would you call me by name? God is eager. I mean, Jesus died to give you this gift of faith. But it's not something he's going to throw on you or force you. The gospel is not the, the, the good are in and the bad are out. The gospel is the humble are in and the proud are out. And when you, when, when in humility you recognize that there's nothing you can do and stop trying and just ask God to receive and admit I need help. God, I need you to help me in my unbelief. I want to hear you call my name. Jesus died and, he, and, and in doing so proved that he always responds when we turn to him. And you might go, well, God would never give me this faith. You know, Jesus uh, only picks people that have it all together. And you, you, you sort of go, well, look at Mary. He chose a woman, not a man. And you might go, well, that's, that's sexist. But remember, this is a patriarchal time, society. Where if you wanted to retell this story, you don't, you don't put a woman in the story. Because they, the society, like culturally, they were not looked on as reliable witnesses. Men were. So if you're making this up, or God's worried about you know, this, 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 this message spreading, you don't put a woman at the tomb. And it wasn't an accident that Mary's the first eyewitness to the resurrected Christ. He chose a woman, not a man. He chose a reformed prostitute, a mental patient, not a pillar of the community, not a leader in the community. He chose a layperson, not a religious leader, not a pastor. Mary was on the outside of every single category of an inside-outside world. She's a woman, not a man. She's poor, not middle class. She's deranged, not sane. She's immoral, not moral. She was on the outside of everything. And that is the gospel. That she's the first one to meet the resurrected Christ. The gospel is that God's salvation does not come on the basis of merit. It doesn't come on the basis of pedigree. It doesn't come on the basis of race, class, or gender pecking order. The gospel is the humble are in and the proud are out. The gospel is not that you give God your best perfect record, but the gospel is that he gives you his perfect record. The gospel is not that it is your past that determines you know, your relationship with the Father, but it's Christ's past. It's Christ's record that he gives you. Last week we talked about the two criminals on the cross, and it's amazing that Jesus walks into heaven, into paradise, with a bandit. And it's maybe even more amazing that he walks out of the tomb to a prostitute. That is the gospel. So if you think you're an outsider, you're not. If you think that you've, you, you haven't been good enough, well, none of us have. 
All that God is asking is for you to listen. And whether you have a lot of faith or hardly any faith, in humility say, Lord, help me. Help my unbelief. Help give me faith. I can't merit your salvation, but I want to receive it. Therefore, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. And you know what happens? He'll call you by name. And you get invited to the party. You're invited to the party. You're invited to living this life with a resurrection hope. It means Jesus can bring back to life all the things that are dead. It means that you don't even have to be afraid of death itself anymore. Because of Jesus, you'll be resurrected. And there is going to be no grave that can hold those who have put their faith in Jesus down. There will be no death that will be forever for those who have put their faith in Jesus. So this morning, the invitation is you're invited to that party. The invitation for you is to say yes. The invitation to you is to say, God, help me in my unbelief. He died for you. He rose for you. And he's, he, he resurrected so you can have a relationship with him now and forever. Every single one of you. And don't believe anything different. Today you can respond to that if you'd like. And I'm not going to ask you to stand up or raise your hand or come forward. This is between you and it's between him. And I'm not asking you to have it all figured out or have all the right words to say or to say even a certain prayer that you recite after me. I'm just asking you to be honest with him. I'm asking you if you're ready to say help me. Come, call me by name. Help my unbelief. I want the faith.